doing this morning in our series, Hello, My Name Is, and this morning we're talking about leadership. But like every other time that we've uh, had in this series, we've all put on name tags, and that's, that's a, there's a, an intent, and there's a reason for that. And I notice some of you don't have your name tags on, some of you do. So I'd just like to ask you, for those that maybe don't have a name tag, maybe you already know everyone's name. Would you like to come forward and let's, let's do a run, see how you do? Anybody want to take the challenge today? Like, that's the goal, that honestly, we could all walk in and say, hi, how you doing? What's, instead of saying, what's your name? It'll be like, Mandy, so good to see you. Joe, I'm glad you're here. Roger, like, we want to be a family. We want to know each other's name. So we're going to take a minute, like we've done the other weeks. I'm going to ask you to stand up, go find someone you don't know their name or you can't for remember their name, and introduce yourself to them, all right? So let's, everybody stand up right now. Let's go. couldn't remember your name. Daniel, right. And Emily, I remember that. Salisha. My mic's still on. Angelo, good to see you. So, so next week, if anyone wants to take the challenge, you can come up here and you can start going through and start to name everybody's name, see how good you do. We'll give you that opportunity next week if anyone wants that challenge. We do that sometimes in the youth group. We play a big game where we get everybody in a circle and we just start to say all the names. It's kind of be a really big circle for us to do it here, but um, you know, we'll, we'll do this from time to time, but certainly for this series, I think it's been worthwhile. The other reason why this series is named Hello, My Name Is, is we're talking about the Shiloh vision. So do you remember the vision? Four steps. Know God. Find freedom. Discover purpose. Make a difference. Try it over here, if you didn't know. But there you go. But for extra credit, what's the scripture passage that we've been looking into and we take that from? Can anyone tell me the book? We've only covered it for three weeks now. Someone say it? Ephesians, yes. So Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. Chris gets the gold star this morning. It says, I keep asking, this is a prayer that Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And that's where we're taking know God from. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. You know, each of us has a past. We, we all have things that we've done, some of them good, some of them bad. Paul says, forgetting what lies behind, I press on towards the things that you're calling me to. We need to find freedom from our past. We need to be enlightened. And why? In order that you may know the hope to which he's called you to. Do you know that we all have a hope to which we're called to? Isn't that exciting this morning? So that's the discover purpose. And then we, we, we know the hope to which he's called us to, the riches of his glorious inheritance 
in his holy people. So God has an inheritance for his holy people that all of us would come together in such a way as to make a difference. So that's where we're, we're taking this vision from. I think it's important for us all to understand it and to swim together in, in this way. I, I love the small group discussions we've been having. I, I've heard in one small group, Ash Samuel mentioned that, hey, we could look at know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference as a circle. But he said, you know what, I believe God wants us to look at it as a spiral that's going up a cylinder, that, that we, we all have a place and a time in our lives where we know God. We come to know, know him as our savior. And we find a certain freedom and, and discover a purpose and make a difference in that. But then God has more of us more of himself to reveal to us. And as our, as our knowing deepens, there's a, a new sense of freedom that deepens as well. Amen? And, and beyond that freedom, then we discover an, even more of a purpose that God would have for us and, and to make a difference. So as, as we've been having the small group discussion, I've, I've enjoyed listening and, and hearing back from certain people. And I'm going to invite Gary to come up. Gary emailed me um, the other day. He was on a, a long trip. And he emailed me from the plane and then uploaded when he got home. And, you know, I, I read his email yesterday morning and then went on for a long run. And as I was running, I'm like, God, is this something I should invite Gary to, to give a testimony? I just really felt impressed. Like, this was one of those times I needed to invite Gary. So, Gary, take it away. Share, share what you share with me. Great. Thanks a lot, Greg. And uh, it looks like social media worked uh, this morning. The lo- room's a lot lighter this time than the first service. So, uh, clearly, they didn't uh, enjoy my uh, presentation, maybe. But... Uh, Hello, my name is Gary Potovan. Say, hello, my name is. Um, I don't know most of you, and so you're probably asking why I'm up here and, and why, why I'm speaking to you. And believe me, I've asked myself the same question even before I sent the email to Greg. Should I send it? You know, oh, maybe not. Maybe I should. Um, and I say that because, you know, I, I can't recite scriptures from, from memory. I haven't read the Bible cover to cover, and I certainly haven't done it every year like, like Greg does. Um, but something Steve said uh, last week, I think, struck me, and, and he said that God uses imperfect people, and he also said that the Bible tells us that we should measure ourselves the way God sees us, not the way we see ourselves, and so I think with that in mind, I, I thought to myself, yeah, you know, there, there is a reason for me to come up here and to stand here and share, and it's also, you know, kind of what pushed me um, to actually press send on the email to Greg. Um, God put this topic on my heart a few times now, and um, the first time we were at a different church before Shiloh, um, and the senior pastor had announced that, you know, he was bringing, putting together a new series, and it was going to be about giving and connecting people and also making a difference. Um, Sounds familiar, right? So I thought, okay, you know, I was newly saved at the time, and I thought, you know, felt God calling me didn't know maybe that's what it was, but that's what it probably was, um, that I should get involved in, in that, and I, and I didn't. And I stayed on the sidelines, as Steve said. And so as I look back, I go, strike one. Um, so fast forward a few years, we're happy to say, you know, we, we found Shiloh now. And a few months ago, Jess brought a message um, about God's gifts. And more specifically, she said, you know, are we using the gifts that, that God has given us, and are we good stewards of those, and are we using them to build his kingdom? And again, I kind of felt this pulling that I should be doing something with the gifts that God has given me here at Shiloh now. Uh, but once again, I stayed on the sidelines. So I look back and go, oh, strike two. Um, you know, not a good start for things. So as we move through um, this session, right, we, we, we talked about knowing God and finding freedom and discovering purpose, and I kind of knew in my, in my mind that this was coming up, make a difference. 
Um, but I really didn't think a whole lot about it. And, you know, I just was, oh, it's on the horizon. We'll see where we end up. And it, as Greg said, um, you know, this past week I, I was in China and, you know, I was flying home and the solitude of a 16-hour flight uh, will do things for you. And I just started to write some of these things down and I started to put together, you know, the thoughts and as, as if almost I was going to do the whole sermon. And I sent it to Greg and finally, and I said, hey, if you can use any of this, great. If not, no big deal. He called last night and here I am. So I just wanted to share um, one story with you and then I have a couple of other points and I'll turn it back over to Greg. But, um, you know, what does it mean to make a difference? And, and I guess that's where I want to to come in here and I have a daughter who is now eight, but last year when she was seven years old, um, she met a homeless couple and you know, while she was volunteering with her mother at a ministry in Manchester. And she, you know, after that, she learned more about them and she said, I don't understand. How can they be homeless, mom? He has a job and he worked at a, at a local fast food restaurant. And we had to explain to her, you know, that just there's not enough money for them to get what they need in order to do first month, last month, security deposit, all the things that go along with that. And God really started to move in her heart. And she went to her room and she came back with $50 of her own money that she had saved up. And she gave it to my wife and said, Mom, what else can I do to raise money to get them a home? So we kind of explained to her the concept of GoFundMe and said, you know, look, there's things you can do. And she said, so I just like make a video and people give me money? And we said, well, yes and no, right? I mean, it can be that simple. But she did. She set out. She made a video, um, and she sent it out, and friends and family responded, and she raised over $2,000, and she got six months' worth of rent. Thank you. So she paid their rent uh, in the apartment building right across the street here uh, for six months, and a year later, they're still living there, and they're now paying their own rent. Yeah, right? And, and this, is, this is making a difference. So the really interesting part was she shared the story with her school um, a couple of weeks ago. She goes to Portsmouth Christian, and they wanted her to share this, and so I thought it would be fine. And this morning when I said, hey, I'm going to share your story, is that okay? And she said, yeah, sure, Dad, whatever. I went and took a shower. I come out, and she's having a meltdown. She's no longer okay with me sharing her story. And I'm going, why? What happened? And so my wife went and talked to her, and she came back, and she said, "Um, she doesn't want the story to be about her. She wants it to be about God. And I went, oh my goodness, my eight-year-old just uh, humbled me and schooled me, right? And I just was like blown away again by, by her. So anyways, that, that was the quick story. Um, for me, when I think of making a difference, I, I broke it down into three categories. And I, I said it's sharing, it's uh, serving, and it's giving. And when I think about sharing, you know, obviously we share, we're called to share God's word and share the gospel. And Mark 16, 15 uh, says, he, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So sharing the gospel, obviously, you know, it deepens our walk with God, but it also provides an opportunity for the lost to either, you know, get introduced to the Lord or to become saved uh, themselves. The next thing is just sharing God's love, which John 13, 34 uh, says, a new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And as I said in the first service, I think if we all share God's love and we share God's word, we can't help but make a difference in, in people's lives. 
the next way you can make a difference um, is serving. We talk, you know, a lot about what is service. It looks different to different people. It can be as simple as, as serving meals, um, you know, at like 1269, like Shiloh uh, does on the fourth Sunday of every month. It can just be, you know, being kind to everybody you meet or, um, you know, giving them forgiveness. And Matthew 25, 40 says, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So God clearly tells us whatever we're doing to serve others, we're doing to serve him. And then finally, um, you know, it's, it's about giving generously. And, and this is one that's personal and it's a difficult conversation a lot of times for people. And, you know, they don't, they don't want to hear about, about giving. But as I reflected on this, I really thought of, you know, kind of two points. You know, one point is Jesus was the most generous giver in the world. When you think about him giving up the comfort of heaven coming down here and taking on flesh and then dying on the cross for all of us. It was just an amazing, amazing uh, giving. And um, the second thing is the Bible calls us to give and to give our money generously. And as I researched, there were, there were over 100 Bible verses on giving and tithing. And no, I didn't read all 100, I admit it. Um, but one that stuck out, and, and most people know it, is 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 7, which says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so, you know, I think it's just, I want to be on, on the end of reaping, you know, a lot versus a little, and that means that we have to give a lot, and, and we try to, try to give back where we can. So the, the final point I have is, um, you know, I've heard as we've been here a few years now that Shiloh is a giving church, and, and Greg mentioned that we have Melissa and Lender here, and, and that's an example of, of how Shiloh gives. Um, you know, we support domestic and international missionaries. We have a food pantry that gives away over you know, $100,000 a year in food to help support, you know, local people uh, that need it. And, and the final thought, you know, as, you, as you're thinking about your giving and, and making it personal for you is, you know, next week when you're coming and you're saying, you know, should I give $5 or 100 should I get that new pair of shoes or that new golf club, you know, really put it into perspective is John 3.16, right? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So he gave the ultimate gift so that whoever believes in him shall not perish and shall have eternal life. Thank you, everyone. You know, as I received Gary's email and I was thinking about it and praying about it yesterday, I thought this is a great example of all of us swimming in the same direction. Remember that video clip where we watched what happens when we all start swimming down together? Like God is going to start speaking to each one of us. Now, it is sometimes difficult when some people will come and say, hey, can I share this? Can I share that? We can't have everybody share. But, but this was one of those things I thought, you know what, God, I, I believe it really is put that on his heart for a reason, and it's important for us to listen to that. So, well, this morning I, I said I want to talk about leadership, um, and I, I'd like to go forward and, and just remind us, this is something that Steve said last week, where he said leadership is influence. You know, in each one of us in our lives, We've got a, a community of people that we're around, whether we're, we're in school or at work or in our neighborhoods. But, but we, have, we have people that we have relationship with just by where God has put us here on this earth. 
And to the degree that we have relationship and we influence them, that influences leadership in, in, uh, in their lives. But leadership can have a tails and it can have a heads side to it, right? Um, the head side is when we would come and we would do something positive and, and we would go out and, and impact the world for a good cause. And, and that's being a positive influence. But how many of you have found in your lives that there's times where maybe you do stuff that you're like, yeah, that wasn't my proudest moment, you know, when I, when I did that or I said that. And, and you've ever had a time where you've been a negative influence on someone else. Anyone ever been negative influence? Yeah, a few of you. Um, I, had a, a, I had an opportunity, well, not an opportunity, but an example where I was a negative influence just this week. And, and it's when I was in the hospital with my son. So he's, he's 20 now, and, you know, he was mature enough to go to the ER, call campus safety. He got from one hospital down to Pittsburgh, and, you know, he's down there. And, and then I'm coming in like, okay, how can I help you, Dave, right? And Tuesday, he had the surgery on Monday. Tuesday morning, I'm there super early to try to talk to the doctor, miss the surgeon. But the caseworker comes in. And I'm like, I'm on the caseworker. Hey, he's motivated. He wants to get out of here. What does he have to do to, to show you he can be released? And I'm, I'm talking for Dave. And after the guy leaves, Dave looks at me like really frustrated, like, Dad, what are you doing? I haven't told you that I want to get out of here. Like, I haven't said that I'm super motivated to get out of this bed. Like, why are you saying all these things? And I'm like, yeah, good point, Dave. I, I'm trying to do what I think is the best thing for you. But like in my wanting to take control of a situation, because that's who I am, I'm stepping on his toes. Now, maybe some pain meds, maybe some pain that he was feeling made him a little more grouchy than normal. But you know, he was right. I could have defended myself and said all these things. And I'm like, Dave, I got to apologize to you. I, I will try to do better. Like I'm, I'm kicking into dad mode, but like you are the adult here. So what do you want to do, Dave? And, and I started to rephrase it. And, you know, he loved all the things that I was saying. He was in agreement, but he didn't want me to be the one speaking for him. You know, it's wonderful when we raise our kids to be independent, like mature adults. And then it's horrible when you still want to come in and take control for them, but they want to be mature, independent adults. Well, I, I had to learn my lesson there. So my influence wasn't the best, but, you know, we're all learning. We're all growing. So what does Paul say about influencing others? In Ephesians 4, 1 to 3, he says this, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. So leadership has a premise, and the premise is this. Lead in such a way that you're living your life worthy of your calling. And you might ask, well, how do I lead my life in a manner? What does that look like? How do I lead my life in a manner worthy of my calling? You know, and there's many times that you may be compelled to do something to help this person or help that person or, or do this or do that or get involved in this ministry, that ministry. Those are all wonderful things I'm sure that you're doing, but are those the things that God has called you to or are those just the good things that you feel like compelled to go off and do? Because if, if there were ever a time that you felt like, I don't have enough time in the day to get all these things done, God knows there's 24 hours in a day. He created the, the moon. He created the sun. He knows what the days look like. You don't think he, he ordained what should happen in your day and he knows what he wants to take place and what not to take place? But, you know, I believe that, that if we get off and, and we're nibbled into the weeds, so to speak, and, and off topic for what God would have us, 
That could be called a distraction, right? That we're getting distracted in doing this, that, or the other. If I wanted to put it in, in a spiritual warfare sense, I could say it could be a diversion as well. So did you know that it says this in Daniel 7.25? Daniel is a prophetic book. It's talking about the end times. And in chapter 7.25, it says that the enemy will speak out against the Most High and will wear down the saints of the highest one. So the reality is this. If Satan can't get you to go off and actually commit willful sin, he'll give you so many good things to do. You'll be so busy that you'll be useless in terms of trying to get what God has really called you to get done. So that one time that maybe that's actually when, when the phone rings, that's the one for you to answer. And you're like, I've done too much today. I'm busy. I, I can't help you. I'm, I'm out of gas. You know, we, we want to understand, God, what is it that you've called us to? I don't want to be distracted. I don't want the enemy to divert me from what God's really calling me to. But God, what is it? I need to discover that purpose. And now I need to live my life in a manner worthy. So Paul talks about what does it look like to lead in a worthy way? In verse 2, he says, be humble and be gentle. You know, if, you were, if I were to ask five people to say, what are two words that would describe Greg Vaccaro? Humbleness and gentleness would probably not be on the list. Driver, results-oriented, like, you know, got a fire under his butt and is always on the go, never stops. Like, those, that's what characterizes me. But I'm like, wow, be humble, be gentle. That can be hard. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Isn't it hard to love that way sometimes? So we're driving out to Pittsburgh, and I, I've given you this story many times. We're, you're driving 10 hours, right? If you've ever taken a long trip, you get tired of driving after a while. You know what I'm talking about? And, and on Route 80, it's a lot of hills, and there's a lot of trucks, and it's a two-lane road. And the trucks love to try to pass one another, but they can never really pass one another. Like one's going 50 and the other's going 52 and then he slows to 45. And, and what happens is the right and the left lane is blocked and you, you can, you know, turn your high beams up and you can honk your horn, you can do whatever you want, but they just, they block both lanes. And it frustrates me to no end. Like that's just how I'm wired. I, I want to be, speed limit 70, I want to be going 70 plus. I don't want to be going 50. So I, I get distracted. I'm following way too close on the way down. And on the way home, I'm like, Meg, I'm going to try to be patient and give allowance to these truck drivers. Like, they drive this route all the time. This must be like, you know, one mile an hour must make a difference for them if they want to pass. So I'm, I'm going to try to go easy on them. I'm going to give the truckers the right of way. And she's like, really? How are you going to do this? I'm like, would you like to drive? <laughs> so... <laughs> Actually, we pulled off to the side of the road. I'm like, this is how I'm going to be successful. You get to drive Route 80. I'll drive the rest of the way home. Um, so that was how I preferred the truck drivers on Route 80. I let Meg drive. Um, but I, I recognized I, did, I didn't have it in me. I, I don't know how to do that sometimes. God, would you change me? I, I want to make every effort to become more like Jesus, but I fail. And you might fail too. But then it says, make every effort as well to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Do you know what happens sometimes in the church? Your sin looks different than my sin. And we start to argue about each other. Like you need to correct your sin. And you, do, you start to tell me I need to correct my sin. How is that uniting us in the spirit and binding us together with peace? We're actually attacking one another. And, and this is what I love about what Paul says in Romans. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. 
you know, sometimes the church, we've gotten off message. We start to look at one another and we start to call out different sins in different people's lives when instead, on topic, on messages, it's the power of the gospel that changes lives. It's not me accusing you or you accusing me that's going to change either one of us. It's only God working through me and God working through you that will change your life or my life. Keep yourselves united in the Spirit. Binding yourselves together with peace. I I think we can all grow in that. Now, Paul gave us, he he continued to give us some advice on how do we influence in Romans 12.3. He says this, Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Now, how many of you have ever been in a situation where maybe it's a Saturday and you're going to do a home project and you're like, you know what, it's only going to take me 30 minutes to get this thing done. I've watched the YouTube video. It looks pretty straightforward. Like, I can, I can do this in 30 minutes. How long did it really take you? Probably three hours, right? Like, we, we always underestimate how long it's going to take. Or, or, or maybe, you know, husband and wife, nap time, you're motivated and you're going to clean out the toy closet and reorganize everything or the toy chest. Like we can get it done in nap time. The kids wake up and you're nowhere near done. Why? Because we think we're better than we really are. We think we can get these things done like this. Just a simple example, but it happens to all of us, doesn't it? Now, if Paul were living in this culture, he may have also put the flip side on this statement. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's adding to God's word to talk about the converse. How many of you feel like I can't do anything. God hasn't gifted me in squat. Like, I feel like I'm worthless. I've been told all my life I've been worthless. I've, I've just been destined that I, I, I can't get anything done. You know what? Don't think less of yourself than what God thinks. I, I could say that as well, that that's in the Word of God, because Paul says don't think better than you really are. Don't think less than you really are. But measure yourselves by the faith God has given you. What has God put in your heart? What faith has he put in there? That's how you measure yourself. And you know what? Faith sees not who you are today. Faith sees who God is going to make you. That's how God looks at us is what Steve said. And and that's what we see Paul saying. Don't, Don't measure yourself by who you are today. Measure yourself with the faith God has given you. So if I consider influence and I consider leadership, there's a style to both of those. And it's important to recognize what style do we have because that's going to give us an ability to be either more effective or less effective. So I I know from my time in industry, there's two different types of management styles if I can just talk about leadership. The first one would be positional leadership. So this is where you're the boss and you know you're the boss. So you start to tell everybody what to do and they've got to listen to you. Why? Because you're the boss, right? So it's, that's your position, that's your title. You command respect because of, uh, of your position in, in, in the company. And then there's also relational leadership. So this is where maybe someone doesn't report to you. In the business world, they call this matrix management a lot, where, where your matrix, you need to get other people to do work for you, but they don't, they don't, they're not a direct report. So how do you influence them to think your work is a priority? Well, you have to go, you've got to build a relationship, you've got to tell them this is the purpose and why, have them see why they're uniquely fitted and they need to get their job to, to bring everything together. And it's through that relationship and trust and respect and I dare say love established with that person that they're going to go off and do the work because that's, it's relational leadership then. Now we find in Matthew 20, Jesus talks about leadership styles and this is what he says in Matthew 20 verse 25. 
Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. What leadership style does that sound like? Sounds like positional, doesn't it? Where, where you're flaunting your leadership over other people and you lord it over them. But then Jesus goes on in Matthew 20, verse 26, to say this, But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus was the King of kings and Lord of lords. If there was ever a person that could pull positional leadership and say, hey, this is my title, you got to listen to me because of who I am, it would have been him. But what did he do? He came to serve. He came to say, look, the only way that he's going to be successful is to make the 12 men that were following him successful. What would it look like in life if you and I had the same attitude? That for us to be successful, I need to make all those around me successful because I'm here to actually serve you and serve what God is doing in your life. And that's what helps you be successful and then I can be successful because of that. That's the heart that Jesus had to serve others. And to serve them, why? Out of love. So if this is what leadership style looks like, positional and relational, and this is a personal thing for each of us, let me just open up the lens for a minute and let's talk about leadership in the church as well. So what do we see about leadership in the church? There's a theme I see in the New Testament, a number of different scriptures. I'm just going to read two, but let's start with Acts 14. It says, Paul and Barnabas also appointed elders in every church. With prayer and fasting, they turn the elders over to the care of the Lord in whom they put their trust. And then we can read as well in Titus 1.5, I left you on the island of Crete so you could complete our work there and appoint elders in each town as I instructed you. So this is what I see in not only these examples, but many, many more examples throughout the New Testament. When God was appointing leadership in a church, he was appointing it in a plurality of people. It wasn't just in one person. Right? It was, they appointed the elders in every church and they, and they looked for elders, not just an elder. So Shiloh is a church that runs differently than many other churches. You might go to another church and you'll find a senior pastor. And then that senior pastor is the person, he's the one that sets the vision. The elder board is there to help execute the vision. Shiloh, we're different than that because we believe that God has looked to all of us as elders, as leaders. So, so Ed, Steve, and myself, we're all elders, and God has put it on all of our hearts to lead and to listen and, and to guide in that way. So I see this in Philippians 1.1. I'm writing to you all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the church leaders and deacons. So Paul, when he was writing to the Philippian church, he didn't write to one man. He wrote to all the people, to all of the leaders. So how is Shiloh led? We're led by a board of elders. And I'm the full-time pastor here, but you know what? I look at myself really only as the team lead or the first among equals. So what does first among equals mean? Well, we're all equal. It's just there needs to be someone at times to initiate the process to say, hey, we've got a decision to make on this. There's this coming up. How do we, how we talk through this? How do we hear God? How do we do it? But we all come together as equals when we, when we come together. That's how Shiloh is led. But it's not enough for us all to come together. Who's the leader? Well, the leader is the Holy Spirit. We, we make decisions here by consensus with the Holy Spirit as our guide. So let me give you some examples. 
When we met last August, Steve talked about this uh, last week, I think. We, there's times that we do an elders overnighter where we get away to pray. We spend the night in prayer, and then the next day we have a meeting for the better part of the day. And as we were praying, Steve felt like he heard from the Lord this, this phrase, strengthen your core to extend your reach. So that was an interesting phrase that he brought to us. Now, at the same time, I was bringing a lot of new initiatives I wanted to see Shiloh do in terms of mission and outreach. And you know what? They didn't go together, right? Where I was going was this direction. Steve is bringing a word in this direction. Almost immediately, I just, it made sense to me what Steve was saying for if we're going to accomplish all this outreach, we got to go where Steve is. Like there's a part A and a part B. I was hearing part B, but Steve's part needed to be part A. So very quickly, we all got on the same page in consensus. We're going to strengthen our core before we're going to try to extend our reach. It just made sense. In that same overnighter in last August, I brought this vision to the, to the elders and said, this is what I feel God has put on my heart. What do you guys think? They were right on board. It wasn't hard. It doesn't have to be hard to get into consensus when we're all listening to what the Holy Spirit has to say. Amen? So that's how Shiloh is, is led. There, there's times where each of us, we're listening for, okay, what is God doing in the body? When Gary sent me that email, I had to listen. I couldn't just respond right away. I, I read it in the morning. I didn't get back to him until seven at night. Why? Because I'm like, okay, this is an interesting thought. Now, maybe I could have gotten better to say, Gary, got your email. I'm thinking about it. I'll let you know. I, I don't do that very well. Like, it's all internal that I process. And, and then, you know, it's in time, something comes out of my mouth. But there's a lot going on on the inside, right? But it was as I started to pray and think about it, I'm like, yeah, that is all of us swimming together. I need to find a way to get Gary to come and give this testimony. So this is leadership in Shiloh. Now, how do we add elders to Shiloh? Some of you may have asked this question in the past. The first thing we see about adding leadership in in any church environment is 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 talk about the qualifications of an overseer. So we look for men that would meet these qualifications. But Shiloh also has a process. We don't talk about it very often. Steve alluded to it a little bit last week. That we look for who God is calling and we recognize them. So it's not for me to say, okay, God is calling you or, or God is calling you. But I'm looking to God saying, God, what are you doing in the people around me? Let me see who, who you're already working in. and Let me just recognize that. Like I, I don't call you, but I recognize what God is doing as a calling in, in someone's life. And then in the case of Steve, there was a time where Ed and I came to Steve and said, Steve, we see God working in your life and we believe he's calling you to be an elder. What do you think? It's like, I'm not sure I see that, but I I can kind of see it. And he wasn't, he was a little bit hesitant. So he said, well, why don't you come and start to sit with us? And, And he spent a period of time, many, many months with us. And then there was a time where we did lay hands on him and we ordained him as an elder. That's our process for how we bring in other leadership. So since I became a pastor here, we recognize that three elders is not enough for the size of this church. There's more work than what the three of us want to shoulder. God, who would you be working in that we should ask to come and sit with us? And I want to let you know that last summer we did ask two men to sit with us. And this is in addition to Blake, who's been sitting with us since he, he came on staff as our worship leader. But the two men we asked were Ben Hires and Josh Locke. Now, some of you may think, well, all right, that's natural. Ben's Ed's son and Josh is my son-in-law. Well, of course you're going to ask them. You know what? That was actually a negative against us asking them because we're like, oh, do we want to ask family? That just looks weird. And I'm like, you know what? Put the family part aside. Like, what is God doing in their life? Do they meet these qualifications? Or are they the right people to be considered as elders? And we just saw what God was doing in their life that 
you know what? These men are really matured in their faith. They're leading their families well. And, and not only that, but they're involved in one of our most important ministries here at Shiloh. So there's a small group leadership team. We're a small group church, right? Small groups are the heartbeat of what we do. And the ministry team that, that advises and, and guides all of our small groups is Stephen, Karen, Ben and Josh, uh, and, and their wives. So we, we looked at that and we said, you know what? These, these are men we see God's hand on. Ben is very different from Ed. Josh is very different from me and, and the rest of us. And we look for people that not only have the heart of God, but they also have, have an ability and an interaction style that's going to work well with the team, right? So if, if we would ever consider them to be elders and, and lay hands and ordain on them, then we're not moving until they are in consensus either. It, it, how they work in a team matters, right? So, so we, we are continuing to pray with them. I'm asking you to pray with us as well as, as we look to potentially one day in the future laying hands on them and ordaining them as elders. All right, so let's move on in closing. I'd like to ask you this question. Are you living your life in a manner worthy of your calling? What does that look like for you? Would you answer yes or would you answer, you know what, there's some things I know God wants to do in my life. Things maybe I can be more humble. Maybe I can be more patient. Maybe, maybe I can make allowance more for other people's faults that I'm not so critical. Right? That's, we all have a way in a style of influence. And for us to live in a manner worthy of our calling, it's will we be the servant leader that Jesus was? Will we come to serve others or will we try to lord it over others? Right? How, what, what's the style of relationship that I have and, and how am I building that bridge to the unsaved and, and to those that God would have me talk about uh, the power of the gospel to? Because it is the power of the gospel that changes lives, right? It, you, we, we all recognize it's not us that changes ourselves. I, I can't pray for you and change you. It's only that God would answer my prayer that would change your life, right? I can be an instrument. You can be an instrument. But we all need to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. So that's question one. What does that look like? And if you don't feel like you're walking in a manner worthy, what would need to change? Question two. Do you think you're more of a positional leader or a relational leader? And now that we've heard what kind of leader Jesus was, that he was a relational leader, how do we become more like Jesus? How do we become more of a servant leader in our lives? That God, it matters to me not that I would be exalted, but that I'd help others be successful because when others are successful, you will be successful too. And lastly, how can you pray for your leaders? You know, the Word of God says that we should all be praying for our leaders. I, I pray for the leaders. I pray for, for Ed, for Steve. Will you pray for us? Would you pray for me? Would you pray for Ben, for Josh, for Steve, for Ed? Like, we need your prayers. I, I honestly ask you, would you pray for us as leadership? As we're going down this path of considering Ben and Josh, pray for them that they would know, that they would hear God clearly, that we would hear God clearly as well. All right, let's stand together as we close in prayer. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you're doing. At Shiloh, Lord, I, I thank you for for this series and all the things that we're learning, Lord, and, and specifically today about leadership, God, and, and the style of leadership that you've called us to, that you exemplified, Jesus. As, as Gary said, you are the ultimate giver, Father God, that you would give your only son for each one of us. Lord, how do we become more like Jesus in learning how to be a servant leader, in learning how to put others above ourselves, in learning that it's all about people, even when we can be so focused on tasks? 
God, I, I admit to you that I'm, I'm not all I want to be in you, Lord. I know you're continuing to work. I ask you to continue that work. But Lord, for each brother and sister here this morning, Lord, I know there's many of us that feel that you're still working on us, God. Would you continue the work? Lord, would you continue to make us more like you, Lord Jesus? Father, there's one reason why you want us more like you, that, that we could make a difference, Lord. And I pray this week, Lord, that we would all be asking you, God, what is it that you have for me today? Lord, show me my purpose, that I live in a, in a manner worthy of that calling, Lord, and I make a difference. So thank you, God, for each one. I pray a blessing on each one here this morning. Pray these things in your precious name. Amen. Well, thank you very much for being here. Have a great rest of your Sunday. If you need prayer for anything, please come forward. Love to pray with you.